Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Why, hello, and welcome to episode 186 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of October 2016, and actually, this is a different episode than we would normally do. We typically focus on the giant monster movies and the like here on the Kaiju Cast, because that's what we're all about, giant monsters. But for this episode, I had my friend Keith Foster join me. We recorded right after Rose City Comic Con, and we're going to talk about some television series that have also, some of them have featured giant monsters, but, you know, overall, we're going to talk about the interesting history of television tokusatsu. Before we get to that, though, I did want to remind the listeners that you have until October 24th to send in your homework for Shin Godzilla for our Daikaiju discussion. If I can uh, get this done right... We will actually have a very interesting and unique episode, maybe even one that will be worthy of covering such a unique and individual Godzilla film in the franchise. So like I said, you have until October 24th to send that in through our handy contact form, or you can email me an audio file of your review if you wanted to keep it under three minutes and clean for the kids and, uh, you know, succinct. That's what we're looking for for this particular Daikaiju discussion. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and send that in, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right, having gotten that out of the way, I think what we're going to do is we're going to actually play one track from Shin Godzilla. This is actually called EM20 Godzilla, and we'll hopefully find out a little bit more about the soundtrack in the next episode. Everybody, I'm sitting here with Keith Foster. What is up? He's literally in the Kaiju Cast HQ. I'm literally here. Yes, and, and not I, skyping, not, no, not anything, this time. not this time. In fact, uh, we we sound super like radio and gravelly because yeah. we've just finished uh, two days at Rose City Comic Con, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But you know, we like to talk to people about giant monsters, and that comes at a price. Yeah, actually, had we, I think, had we recorded this an hour earlier, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. My voice came back a lot in the past <laughs> hour. I, it, beer, maybe. Your vocal cords are just excited to record this episode. Dude. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, we're doing something very interesting today. We're kind of breaking from the regular giant monster talk, but it's still related because Keith, as you know, fan speculation for many years has said television in Japan killed the kaiju movie. Mm -hmm. You know, we went from the, the, and not just the kaiju movie, but like basically cinema in general. So you went from what we call the golden age of, you know, Toho's stuff and where they were producing tons of movies in the 60s and then the steady decline after 19, I'll say 66, Mm -hmm. where you were getting less and less tokusatsu films and I'm assuming less and less movies as well. And because you are the nerdometrics guy, mm-hmm. and you're you're my numbers guy, actually, did you know that you are my numbers the, guy? No, that's good. <laughs> that that's now I think that's now four people that have a nickname for me involving numbers, which I'm thrilled with. N- numbers or stats guy, you yeah. know, If I if I ever say, man, I really wish I could figure out how many x to the y to the z, I'm definitely calling you. I, I know my x to the y to the z. <laughs> that's for sure. I don't know where that came from, but hey, whatever. It's, anyway. it's a dope hip hop lyric, either in the past or in the making, and who really cares, right? Free for all hip hop people to use. <laughs> sure. Anyway, so how do you feel about that? Do you feel that that could be an accurate representation of what happened to Japanese cinema in the 60s and into the 70s? Well, here's what I can say, right? I did everything I could to research what contributed what, right? And and yeah. the thing about economics in general is that it's very after the fact. You know, it's using after the fact data to model stuff in the future. And if you get the future wrong, then you just model it again and try again, right? Like that that's how it works. But, you know, this is life that we're talking about. And a lot of it is involves human behavior. And because it involves human behavior, it isn't just a simple mathematical equation sure, to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. oh, this caused this and that caused that. So, when I did everything I could to find research, it is incredibly difficult to find research on anything involving Japan here. Number sure, one, I, yeah. I don't speak the language. Yeah. Uh, um, and number two, it's just, you know, it, the Internet's very robust for a lot of chunks of data. But, you know, something I was interested in doing to try to prove the correlation was the number of television sets sold in Japan throughout the 50s, 60s and 70s. Yeah, that seems right? like a pretty good metric. It was use. yeah, it was it was the it was kind of like the magic bullet stat I was looking for because I know inflation numbers. I did research that. And so if I could have paired that up with declining film attendance, then we've got ourselves something. You know, now I do have some kind of disparate pieces of data. I hope I'm saying that word right that do show it, right? So yeah. in um, in Steve Rifle's book, uh, Japan's Favorite Monstar, mm-hmm. he does mention, and I can't remember from what year to what year, but I think it might have been when Megalon came out, that overall Japan film attendance basically chopped in half, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, over like a five to eight year period or something, or maybe a 10 year period. I think it was from like 66 to 75, it, you know, comparing those two eras, right? right so right. movie attendance dropped way off. Um, 1973 and four saw a wild increase in, uh, the prices in Japan inflation. Okay. So inflation in 1973 and 74 averaged 17%. The couple years leading up to that, it had a mini spike at, I think an average of about 6%, you know, normal inflation rate can be one, two, 3%, something like that. That's not unusual. But what happened was there was a little bit of a pre-tremor. And then everything went haywire in terms of the prices. Okay. 
So economically, what most people attribute that to was the fact that there was an oil crisis in 1973. And Japan was kind of embargoed as well as the United States, and they controlled the flow of oil into Japan. How that drives the economy is a story for another day. It's just, it's what economists think, you know, um, and that's numbers, that's, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good enough for me. And that's yeah. probably like a minute and a half more on economic theory than we needed to spend. Right. Sure, yeah. But, and there's always a first for the Kaiju cast. Yeah. Hey now. <laughs> um, but I will say that like in general, that's not fan speculation. It's accepted as true. And my theory of course is, is basically the same thing, which is some theory of the effect of inflation and, and our, our economy that was running away in a bad direction and just the availability of television in everyone's houses now right, yeah. um, just kept people away from the movie theaters. And of course that resulted in lower budgets for these films. And I mean, the listeners have heard me say many, many times how little I care for Godzilla versus Megalon, even though that's such a, you know, I don't know, it plucks at the heartstrings of so many G-fans because it's so nostalgic to them. And I didn't have that, obviously. But uh, the deal with Megalon is, uh, it's a movie, in, it's set in its own time, and it's sort of a lovely little snapshot of a sad little era. But it's not all sad. Mm -hmm. You know, the benefit of the decline, even though it's hard to say that, the decline in cinema quality, at least, and attendance and money is that we did actually get some super cool stuff to happen on television, on the small screen. And these superhero shows are essentially what kicked off this tokusatsu boom on TV. And we were talking about, would there be a direct correlation between the number of television shows to the decline of movies? To mm -hmm. the, You know what I mean? Uh, so the listeners out there have not seen this, but Keith has seen it, and of course I've seen it. I shot a video in Japan when I went to the Toei Studio Park, which is basically kind of like their old school Universal Studios. As you go up the escalator to the superhero land, there is a wall on the side and it is massive. It is so, so huge. And in fact, it is so huge that I couldn't really focus on it with my camera. I tried to get a picture. I tried to get a uh, video. So I took a video I posted it up on YouTube, and I'll include that in the show notes just so you guys can see how many freaking tokusatsu things there have been in the history of tokusatsu, starting from 1954. Anyway, uh, television-wise, though, there are quite a few shows, but it started out slow, and then it ramped up, and then from what we know, uh, the publication that we got this out of is called Markolite Magazine. It was produced in 1990. So this does actually, I guess, include the entire 80s or up to the end of the 80s. Mm -hmm. But for the 50s, there were only seven live action superhero tokusatsu shows. I think actually, technically, you wouldn't even really call it tokusatsu, would you? Because that means just special effects. And uh, these were more just heroes, I guess. However, I've never seen any of these. Have you? No. No. In fact, so just because there's only seven, I will just uh, read it out. Moonlight Mask. Now, I've seen pictures of Moonlight Mask. Planet Prince, Jet Boy, Mighty Adam, Phantom Detective, Rainbow Mask. I've also seen uh, Rainbow Mask before. Not the TV show, but the you know pictures of him. And then Eye of the Jaguar. So just seven there. And then mm -hmm. when you get to the 60s, that's when it almost doubles. You get 13 different shows, but that's when we get the ones we know, right? Mm -hmm. So Ultra Q and Ultraman both came out in 1966. 
as well as another show that I watched when I was a kid, Space Giants, Magmatashi, mm-hmm. as it's known. Those all came out in 1966. I mean, obviously, they were huge, especially the Ultraman shows. Uh, now, Keith, you have been watching Ultraman stuff, right? Yes. Have you seen the old school stuff or have you just been watching new I, stuff? I, uh, I've watched about half of the old school stuff and I'm about halfway through Ultra 7. So, I mean, Ultraman, Ultra 7. You know, and and I it, it's one of those things of like, oh, let me throw on an episode here and there, that yeah. kind of thing. I, I I wish I could say that I I watched more of them, but uh, yeah, b- about half of both. I would go with half of the original Ultraman and half of Ultra Seven. Okay, cool. So uh, after the sixties, we had obviously the nineteen seventies, and there were fifty seven different shows that came out then. Say okay, how many were in the sixties again? Thirteen. So it went from seven. To 13 to 57. Yes, sir. In a decade. <laughs> yes. You know what would be interesting, actually? And I can't think of anything offhand like this. I can't think of an American equivalent of something that blew up that big and had that many, let's call them copycat shows, right? Okay, so let's talk about the copycat aspect. Obviously, that happens in any industry, especially mm-hmm. the media industry, right? People go, oh, I want to do that same thing. So many of these shows were actually produced from the same studio. Toei, the mm. company I mentioned earlier, they're the ones that have Common Rider mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other of these shows. They're sort of like, that's their, I want to say that's what they're known for. Right. But I can't really say that because I don't know so well. I'm, as the listeners know, I'm not really into the superhero shows too much. I'm just dipping my toes into it just now. So, right. Uh, yeah, Toei, in my limited amount of research, seems to be the powerhouse behind these superhero shows. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of interesting, too, because you do make a good point, and, and there's probably only a few studios, you know? But another thing that's really fascinating, and you can see this just by looking at the list, nothing lasted long. You know, you'd have something last for, like, one year yes. or two years, and then go on to the next one, you know, like... There, there are series that just go back to back with some of the same actors and they would just fold one down and bring the next one on. It, it is interesting to see that lack of longevity throughout the 70s. Yeah, but now some of those things are actually like one iteration to the next iteration, much like Ultraman went from Ultraman to Ultra 7 to the next one. <laughs> so I think it's Ultraman 80, but I'm not really sure. Anyway, but you have like different iterations of like so many different iterations of common writer. Right. Yeah. But but that said, that didn't happen in the United States. Again, not off the top of my head. Sure, sure. You know, you'd have you'd have a TV series at least go a couple years and it would be the same TV series. They just renew it for a new series. They wouldn't continue to do yeah, short-lived <laughs> cycles of it. They wouldn't know? give it a subtitle and yeah. start a new series. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so fascinating to me the uh, the sheer number of these things. So, um, and then uh, just to round out our numbers here, uh, the 80s had a major drop from 57, but still more than the 50s and 60s at 26 different tokusatsu, you know, shows like that. Yeah. And so the grand total in all of that, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And once again, I just want to say the research stopped there because that was the end of the article from a 1990 magazine. But basically... The grand total is 102. Mm-hmm. So 102 shows came out and, you know. More than half 70s, of them were in the right. 70s, yes. Yeah, and more than half of them were in the 70s. And the 70s and 80s together, you're looking at like almost the entirety of it. I mean, it's yeah. like 80 plus right there. Yeah. 
if my math is good and I ain't no good at math, but I, I, what I wanted to do next is I kind of wanted to just touch on any that you, you might like, like, uh, I personally, one of the shows I grew up with is Spectraman. If anybody out there has has seen Spectre Man, but this is an incredibly violent show for <laughs> a child to watch. I was watching some of the episodes recently, and I was sitting there going, "Man, I'm kind of surprised my mom let me watch this." <laughs> like he totally has throwing stars that like go into the monsters. Mm-hmm. And oh, I will say that while a lot of these shows feature the you know standard human sized heroes, I I guess I've inadvertently chosen ones that all have uh, have kaiju in them for inadvertently, mine. yes. <laughs> Accidentally, subconsciously, I don't know. Something happened there, but uh, yeah. So, Spectre Man is it came out the in 1971. It's, it's obviously the same year as Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. So, the very first episode immediately hits you on these like the Earth is so polluted. Mankind cannot survive, you know, kind of thing. And then the deal is that there's an agent, a superhero on Earth disguised as a human who in um, the American show, his name, like super Japanese. You ready for it? George. (laughs) And that's the American version because that's what I grew up with, right? So in the first episode, George turns into Spectre Man. And Spectre Man, are you familiar with the look of Spectre Man? Yes. For the listeners. He's got a gold helmet with a big spike at the top. Very kind of reminiscent of like a boxy, golden, brown, coppery Ultraman, Mm -hmm. you know? Anyway, he fights a monster named Hedron, which is also a smog monster, essentially. It looks a little bit different. It looks kind of like, you know, the aliens in Sesame Street. They go, yep, 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 yep. 
Imagine one of those, uh, and the and the smog monster had a baby. <laughs> That's okay. kind of what it looks like. It's but, spitting out stuff. And, and is that because two people probably had the same idea at relatively the same time? Because I mean, it means sludge, right? That yeah, word. yeah. And the uh, so the deal is that at the time, and I'm not sure if this is what happened with Spectroman, but at the time, the Japanese government was actually giving filmmakers and creators grants and money to help spread the word about pollution and, <laughs> and you know, and, and how big a problem the government was. did. I think so. Yeah. Okay. The, the sure. same government that had no problem being part of the industrial revolution that May, caused I could that. I be wrong. I could yeah. be wrong. No, no, no. I, know, I, just, yeah. I know I read something similar to that in uh, in one of those fancy books that I have about Godzilla. No, no, no. It, to- it totally makes sense. Monster, yeah. I mean, again, just to like a little bit of economics, right? Because there you could have a hundred theories about why the Japanese economy took a hit. Right. But uh, but another popular one um, and one that, that I favor, I suppose. I mean, you, you have a period of, of Japan expanding rapidly and having their own industrial revolution. Yes. Um, and then you have this this blowback effect that, that takes place in the 70s as when an economy grows that fast, there are issues that come up. It would be like if a person grows that fast, you know, like. There are many cases where someone grows, you know, a foot in half a year or something like that. And the, the body has to take some time to react. Yeah, yeah. Same thing happens with an economy. Right. So, yes, obviously, Japan hurt itself, you know. So but it, going back to the, the smog and the pollution, pollution was a major, major problem in Tokyo. And I want to say that I read I wish I had the stuff to back this up, but basically Tokyo was one of, if not the most polluted city yes. in in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was a big problem. So I can understand why they would also have the same – I've got a better idea. It's the same idea kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, that was – that's the first episode of Spectre Man. So he – I don't know why he can't, you know, tell the world that he's Spectre Man. It's just that's – I think it's that standard superhero trope. You got to keep your secret identity a secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Spectre Man has a total of 63 episodes. And I saw this on TV because, uh, like, a lot of people I know say they saw Ultraman when they were a kid. I didn't have Ultraman, I had Space Giants and Spectre Man. So someday I'm going to watch the entire series because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't sit down and go, I'm going to watch episode one, two, three, four. You know, yeah. it's not. And plus, I don't even know what kind of order it was broadcast. That, in. that, and, and, you know, random thing too. That, that just couldn't happen back then. You know, like, true, there was, true, yeah. I, I can't remember what the show was and it wasn't Japanese. It may have been something like Transformers. It may have been something like The Simpsons, actually, when it hit syndication. Come okay, to think yeah. of it. But, you know, I think the people that syndicated it at one point went number by number. And then after that, they jammed all around. You know what I mean? Like, like they, they chose to go chronologically through the entire series. And then mm-hmm. once they hit the end of that, then they just started bouncing episodes however they wanted. So, I mean... You know, it wouldn't happen that way. You know, you you just couldn't get sequential episodes, even even if you wished for it. In a lot yeah. of cases, yeah. Well, he's uh, Spectre Man. I am going to say that it's not one of those shows that I think has aged well. And keep in mind, I am the ones that I'm watching right now are the English version ones that were you know produced for American television. It's not something that I, I I'm not going to say don't watch it if you can if you can track it down absolutely check it out because there's some really crazy monsters in there. I happily will admit that in first grade we were given uh you know some time to do some you know do whatever you want in the classroom and I went to go draw something and I drew the two headed rat kaiju. <laughs> 
I want to say it's called Nezudon or something, but yeah, I loved Spectre Man when I was a little kid. All right, so that's 1971 Spectre Man. We're kind of going in chronological order here. Keith, what did you choose? Here's what I chose. Is Kakaida, not to be confused with Kakaida 01, which okay. happened a couple of years later. So this is technically, I think, called Android Kakaida, right? And it lasted, I think, two seasons, 43 episodes, 72 to 73, I believe. Nice. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because you chose things that have a giant monster appeal, right? Consciously, subconsciously, whatever. And in my case, like, I chose things two of the three anyway, that just have no bigness to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, Everything yeah, yeah. is life-size, you I'm know? Gl- I'm glad you did that, though, because I, I don't want this to all... I mean, I know we say 100% dedicated to console yeah. and all those rubbish. 99.4% dedicated. You know, after yeah. 100 and, you know, how many episodes we're on now, I get lost with the number. Like, I think we can handle it. It would yeah. still round up to 100%. I feel pretty good about I, that. Me too, me too. So, uh, so yeah, no. So, Kakaida, I mean... Just just to break down the series a little bit, right? There's a there's a doctor who works for so a, a key thing of a lot of '70s uh, superhero shows. Okay, you know there there's a formula there, at least for the ones I've seen, and and in some cases the formula is so adhered to from show to show. Okay. I forget the name of the master villain in all of them. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's so there's a master bil- villain and there's this society that works for the master villain hell bent on domination. Right. Yes, of course. For, yes. for, for, I mean, for no reason other than just to dominate, which is fair enough. Right. And then, uh, and then what you have is in some cases kind of a ragtag group of misfits or, but in a lot of cases, just one amazing hero that everybody got right. That's going to kind of fight all the bad guys. Right. Yeah. So in this case, um, your, your, uh, hero is, is a Android called Kakaida. That um, that, you know, and, and we get into the um, the henshin concept of it, right? That everything has this uh, formulaic transformation. Yeah. Right. So, so for the listeners that don't know, tokusatsu, as we've mentioned, mean just means special effects. Henshin means change. Mm-hmm. And and Kakaida in the case of the henshin. So uh, in, in the human form of the android, it's it's Daisuke Ben. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one of the earlier roles. And uh, and he walks around, you know, in like just awesome, awesome 70s stuff. And <laughs> and the the it must be evil can evil, right? The evil can evil influence on like Japanese superhero TV is insane because there's motorcycles everywhere all the time. <laughs> right. So so Jiro is the human form of the android. Okay. And then he undergoes a change by saying the phrase change. Right. He says uh, changey. Switch on 
one, two, three, right? And then changes into badass android Kikaida and then just, you know, kicks all kinds of ass, right? Yeah. I like the visual look of Kikaida. He's very colorful. Yes. It actually kind of reminds me of like if the Japanese were to try and make their own, you know, like cyborg from DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. We're going to make an, Eng- let's make an American superhero, but yeah. you know, make him a robot, but he still has that Japanese appeal. He's got like Ultraman eyes. You know right. What I mean? Right. And guys, we want to make a cyborg, but we have all this red and blue paint. Let's, let's, let's use it, you know? So, um, so anyway, so without taking too long, this, this doctor, Dr. Komyoji works for the big bad guys, has a conscience and makes all of these, you know, dark destructoids. Right. I'm pretty sure that's it. But makes all these bad baddies. Right. Androids that are just here to destroy. And um, and then but then in a moment of conscience, he creates Jiro, a.k.a. Kakaida, who is kind of like his while he was working within the system, he's trying to beat it from the inside. Okay. And uh, and so as that happens, uh, Kakaida ends up kind of going against, you know, the a different bad person every episode. Yeah. Um, and and you you just get superhero awesomeness. You know, um, there are I mean, look, this is this is low budget. You know, and and I'll I'll say this. Uh, I think about another show as well. You know, you 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 can have a you can have a fight about to happen, and they can be like underground somewhere in like a lab, and then the next thing you know, they're fighting in the same rock quarry right, that yeah. all of the fights have occur in <laughs> the rock right? quarry behind the studio, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They just they just transport to the rock quarry, and the fight happens in the rock quarry. You know, yeah. so I mean, it it's obviously ridiculous it's obviously fun it's obviously 70s you know the outfits are so 70s um but it it is satisfying for a lot of the things that are just ridiculous you know like like uh, uh the the theme that we played right that yep. that guitar string plucking now he has a guitar in the show right? he walks around with one yeah yeah, yeah. He, he walks around with one. jiro walks around with one and then what'll happen is you know somebody good will be in trouble and then you'll hear the guitar first right and then everybody awesome. will just start looking around like that's jiro you know like we're we're, <laughs> we're about to get our asses kicked but where's it coming from oh, right nice. and and then there's always a, a fun bit of dramatic tension from where it does come from right yeah. so sometimes like <laughs> he'll just be standing in a tree you know like 12 feet off the ground just standing on the branch of a tree like what's up you know other times he'll be like way on the top of a mountain or something <laughs> like I've that seen some of those yeah, yeah so it's just it's bonkers <laughs> the way it is and um and i'm not going to go into it too much but you know it the bottom line is it's really entertaining it's really fun you know um to 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 tie this back to giant monsters too you know i have stepdaughters i've known them for a couple years they're they're still pretty young yeah this kind of stuff godzilla families can watch it you know what i mean and and you can have a good conscience showing your kids stuff and have it be family friendly and also like super super fun you know um but but the hopefully I've gotten people to want to check it out, but I will say that like, if you think that's good, wait until the last five episodes because everything <laughs> just goes insanely bonkers. In fact, I, I rewatched them 
a couple days ago. Okay. And I, I'm I'm just going to to use some buzzwords, keywords, instead of going through what I was going to talk about. So I'm just going to say that uh, let's see here. Um, there's a and again, I'm not. There are no spoiler alerts here, right? Like some sure, of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some of the spoilers are given away by the title of the episode. You know, so like episode 41 is called Jiro Blows Apart," <laughs> right? Like <laughs> that's it, it's like it's like when you got the Phantom Menace soundtrack and it said Qui Gon's Noble End, oh, and yeah, you hadn't yeah, seen yeah. the movie yet, and you're like, oh man, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but but there's some cool tension there, right? Because it's called Jiro Blows Apart," and the villain is called um, Red Mind Toad, and if you punch the the toad he explodes right so the whole episode is built up to like red mind toad and all these villains right talking so much junk like Kakaida's gonna come and fight me and then he's gonna blow up you know and this thing happens every episode all the villains talk smack yeah and then Kakaida kicks their ass right yeah. but in this case there's a moment where like he punches and then boom <laughs> Jiro just totally blows apart right um and that's the second to last episode okay and then the the episode after that involves a trying to rebuild Kakaida b um, a brain transplant okay c a another um kakaida like thing called hakaida which was built to solely destroy kakaida by the same doctor while under the bad guy spell again because he has amnesia the entirety of the series right and uh it just gets crazier from there yeah. so i mean again hopefully this has been enough for people to check it out but i love it i can't say enough good things about it awesome okay so i have a question for you yeah have you ever seen the uh the nineties film or early two thousands, I don't remember when it was, the Hakaider film. No. I have it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, actually kind of crazy. It's uh Okay. It was it's someone who had never seen Kikaida before, mm -hmm. but I knew what Kikaida was in just a very general sense of the word, you know. Yeah. I was thoroughly confused by the movie. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, I feel like I am missing some kind of context. It was also very, I don't want to say ethereal, but like yeah. kind of a weird movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, and, and I think in a lot of, look, what, what makes any bit of fiction good is the ability, I think, to have real uh, human conflicts in it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and one of the more interesting conflicts to me that comes up at the end is, um, when Kakaida gets blown apart, Hakaida mm -hmm. was built to destroy Kikaida. And now Hakaida wanders around like, this was my purpose. And the thing that killed Kakaida, you know, read my tone. He's like, you robbed me of my purpose, you know? So now you have Huck Hyder wandering around with like, I was built to do one thing and I can't do that one thing anymore. And that plays into the last two episodes as well. Cause all Huck Hyder here is here to do is fight and defeat kick Hyder. Right? All right. So I kind of want to watch the show now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's rad. Uh, now, that's uh so you said that was 1972 73 72 73 all right so breaking into the you know and keeping in theme with the 70s because i think all the shows we chose were in the this sort of time frame i chose something that you're just gonna have to go listen to <laughs> Oh, you caught the man, go ahead and cry. 
hoy Es o es es o es es o es es o es you held that for like four minutes, right? Go. <laughs> yeah, so the, the show that I'm talking about is called Go Godman. Now, Keith, have you ever heard of Godman before? I have not. Okay. I have heard of Godman for several different reasons. We're going to, I'm going to explain a little bit about Godman and then I'm going to talk about why I think Godman's rad. Uh, and we'll see if I can stay on track for this. The Japanese name for the show is actually Ike Godman. So Ike Godman and literally Godman, you know, that is how they are saying it. It's not Goduman or, mm-hmm. or it's not, uh, or no, it is Goduman. It's not, uh, you know, Majin Man or something. Mm-hmm. Kami Man. This was a show, so clearly the 1970, early 70s was big, big, big times for superhero shows. This was a show that was broadcast as five-minute clips in between other shows Mm -hmm. or part of another show. Keith, you and I are about the same age. You remember The Electric Company? Uh, Yeah. That show had Spider-Man in it. Had uh-huh. little Spider-Man yes. vignettes. Yes. So I'm sort of likening it to Electric Company. Mm. You see this on places like Cartoon Network these days, right? You'll you'll see some series that comes out and just is a series of five minute chunks or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it still does get used every now and then. So uh, one episode would be several of these five minute chunks, and they are the most simplistic of stories. These kids are playing or something happens and and I have not seen them all again, but these, you know, something happens, kids are endangered and they basically say they call Godman. Godman shows up in normal like five foot two form to fight a monster that is also five foot two. And then you get this, the end of the episode and then the next episode starts up and they're fighting in uh probably you know like on a dusty road somewhere and then they fight for a little bit and then that episode ends and then the next episode starts and then the monster runs away and turns big and then godman turns big mm-hmm. and then they fight again and then uh and then godman wins it's very it, i want to say each episode is very quick but it, mm-hmm. it just kind of feels quick because it's a lot of the same things happening over and over again yeah now I would not suggest that show to somebody as like, you got to go check this out. Except if you're a crazy kaiju nerd like myself, you should know that because this show was produced by Toho, you get some Toho monster appearances in the episodes. So Gabara appears. <laughs> now, this is 1973. Gabara came out in All Monsters Attack or Godzilla's Revenge in 1969. It's been several years since he's been in the Toho closet, the storage shed. Mm. <laughs> he's not looking too good. Also, you get, as opposed uh, to his his splendid looks in sixty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that foam latex or whatever they're using is really it saddens up quite fast, mm. <laughs> quite fast. Gorosaurus was in episode six from you know obviously from King Kong Escapes. Kamiba from Yogg, the or you know space amoeba as it's known in uh, the rest of the world. 
also made an appearance. And I want to say, so Kamibas in, uh, in the Yogg movie crawls on his, all, on all fours. And I want to say that the person that they put in the suit for Kamiba did not crawl. It was like a standing thing and he was kind of sad looking. <laughs> anyway, uh, also both Sanda and Gyra appear from War of the Gargantuas. You know, I was about to say they really went to the far end of the monster closet to pull the monsters <laughs> yeah. out for this, but Santa and Gyra, that's a little more heavyweight than... Sure, sure. Well, let's go back to the the obscure, because have you ever seen Latitude Zero? No. Well, Latitude Zero is a crazy movie that I'm not going to go into right now. Feel free to listen to the Daikaiju discussion that we did a million years ago. Uh, essentially, this... Doctor, uh, who is crazy and also played by Caesar Romero, experiments on people and things, and he creates these monsters, kind of like Doctor Moreau, but uh, they're much, much more old school Tohoey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, he creates these bat people in Latitude Zero, and they sort of patrol his island for him. There's a bat person that shows up for <laughs> episode twenty to fight Godman, and it's just it's silly. And really silly, but it's kind of cool to have another really obscure abstention for those uh, monsters. Uh, in addition to Godman, which was, like I said, like little five-minute episodes, they followed it up with another show called Ike Green Man. I'm not kidding. From God to Green. <laughs> From yeah. God to Green, yeah. So the same monsters appear in the Green Man show, but they added one more. <laughs> Evil Minya. I just want to say, like, is Minya all grown up and just pissed off at the world? (laughs) Oh, it really is? Uh, No, it really is Minya, but it's like... I'm plotting a diabolical plan. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it should be like. Uh, Anyway, the the, uh, last thing I want to say about Godman is that in 2008, there was a new Godman production. I guess they filmed some stuff specifically for a DVD release. Mm-hmm. And so they created a couple of new episodes of Ike Godman. And they have brand new special effects, but it's still the same premise. Mm-hmm. Somebody's in trouble. They call for help and Godman shows up, battles a little monster, and then the monster gets big and Godman gets big and kicks the crap out of the monster. It's Was there a reason that those things... That that came out again in 98? Because you know what this reminds me of? 2008, yeah. Oh, 2008. It it reminds me of how uh, Marvel Comics will just trot out some character every now and then to make sure it doesn't fall in the public domain. Mm, I wonder if if this has a a play like that. I'm not sure, but you know, the cool thing about that little 2008 piece is that uh, the director of the Millennium Films, Megagiris, Mechagodzilla, and Tokyo SOS, did the directing on it, and the the Toho crew from the 2000s worked on the little Godman thing that they did. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that's a couple years after the final film, right? So it, it felt like a must have felt like a real wasteland, you know? Yeah, and but they even they built a brand new Gyra suit and everything, and a brand new monster suit for the. Uh, honestly, totally enjoyable. In fact, much more enjoyable to watch the new one than to watch the old one where just like little kids in short shorts are in danger. (laughs) (laughs) They should have called it that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Kids in hot pants in danger. (laughs) Uh, Now that's, uh, we're going to bounce it back to you, man. Yeah. 
Well, so I'm, I'm going to go one year later and I'm going to keep the same lead actor. I'm going to keep Daisuke Ban again. Okay. And I'm going to talk about the, the series that followed Kakaida, at least in terms of production. Again, based on the timing that I see, Daisuke Ban may have walked off the set of one right onto the set of another. Um, and this one is called Inazuman. You know, the thing I didn't mention when I was just talking about Kakaida, when we were talking about Kakaida, is the music is super funky. 
Okay. Right. So I I have the soundtrack to Kakaida. I have I actually have multiple soundtracks to Kakaida. It is some serious funk there. Like um, when it, when it came to the backing tracks that Japanese studio musicians were cranking out at the time, they are insanely funky. I mean, it is a it is a almost a bottomless. I mean, there's 57 shows and from the 70s, and damn near every one had a <laughs> sick soundtrack. At least the ones that I can figure out. You yeah, know, yeah. and if Kakaida was a 9.5 on a scale of 10 in terms of funkiness, not just with music, but style, Inazuman is like a 16. You know what I mean? Like, the music is even funkier. The outfits are funkier. It's crazier. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. It's wilder. It's it's the kind of stuff that, like, you know, we see that when we look back on our own decade in America of the 70s, too. You know, there's a period where the funk got wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> And you can see that happening here. So, you know, the, the odd thing about Inazuman, um, when you compare it to Kakaida, is Kakaida had an excellent, uh, in my opinion, he's he's annoying at times, but he actually served very well as some good comic relief. A character, the character name was uh, Hattori Hanpei, okay. and they conti- they uh, always mispronounce his name, which is, you know, again, if you know Japanese, it's, it's funny, I believe. But Inazuman didn't have that, so Inazuman's a bit darker. And in fact, there's a show that I'm I'm not really going to talk about much that followed this called Inazuman Flash. That's even darker than that. But Inazuman was Kakaida with the funk turned all the way up, basically. So there wasn't one transformation in this one. There were two. Um, the the main character uh, Goro would walk around and then um, do his first transformation into this thing that kind of looks like a brown colored Michelin man okay. called Sanagi man. And that would be like this, I don't know, like an intermediate stage before he could become a Nazo man. Yeah. And then he'd transform again into a Nazo man, which was another primary color superhero. This one blue with a lot of yellow and red lightning bolts all over the place, kind of two lightning bolt horns that stick yeah. up in front yeah. and a, and a, a dashing yellow scarf that was wrapped around the like, technically a muffler or a scarf, you know, super fab. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, and in fact, in the opening credits, you see this thing where he, he takes the scarf scarf off, off his neck and throws it to, to pick up a building that's tipping over. And then the scarf magically turns into a chain, a yellow chain. And then he pulls an entire building back upright. Um, so that should give you an idea of what, what it's like right there. It's a powerful ally. Yes. Powerful ally. So from when I've seen of Inazu Man, because he's got those um, protrudences. Antlers, whatever you yeah. want to call them, yeah. So honestly, like it reminded me the first time I saw it of of what I'd seen from Common Rider because he sort of like beetle-ish. He's mm-hmm. got, you know, the big eyes, the bug eyes. Yeah. But is – is there any kind of reference there to there's no reference to common writer with with Inazu man right not not that I ever saw yeah okay. there's no evidence of what you'd call like a shared universe right, right you know okay. which you know I don't know maybe maybe Universal will buy the whole thing and put them in a shared universe <laughs> in 2027 or something yeah it just looks they just look so buggy to me it's kind of weird yeah, yeah. no for sure for okay. sure and um so yeah no I mean again in Inazu man I think it I, I would it it's just such a crazy wild peak of superhero stuff you know and it didn't last nearly as long. I think it only ran 23 episodes, so something like half the duration of Kakaida. But then again, in true spirit of what we were talking about earlier, it then turned into a Nazaman Flash, right. which, you know, so they just they just killed off the one series and went right to the next one. 
And again, there's a particular episode when I was watching it through the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the first batch of episodes has that same formulaic thing you always have, right? It's, it's the big bad guy and the robots hellbent on destruction. And there's some good shape shifting in this one where like, you know, a family will kind of walk into a car and then the strangers will turn into the bad guys. Okay. You know, so like that's yeah. a nice creepy element that I really enjoy. But around half the halfway point of the series, um, there's an episode called, again, they don't they don't leave anything out. Rose Bonbara is Inazu Man's mother. That's what it's called. Right? No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, when you when you look at the DVD, that's what it says. But again, the thing I liked about this episode was it was the first time that I felt the formula really broke. And in this particular episode, um, Inazu Man Goro confronts his own mother. Well, he he carries around this half of a rose pendant, and then this girl gets attacked okay. by this creature wearing a rose pendant. So when he comes to her aid after the attack, she starts freaking out. And then that lets him think like, well, she freaked out when she saw my pendant. And then it's, you know, all oh drama, you know, and yeah, it, yeah. it basically ends with the knowledge that um, the bad guys recruited her and turned her into one of these bad guys. And now he has to fight her. But something I found really interesting. Again, I just rewatched this a couple days ago is at the end, there's this moment where he's fighting his mom but he doesn't really want to fight her and he pleads her that she has this control circuit so the bad guys are manipulating her and all that stuff and what what struck me was it was a very luke versus vader moment oh okay but this is six years before that you know what i mean so and again i know there's you know there's a whole there's no new stories idea but i did find it interesting that you have this son pleading to the mother that like i can help you i can save you i can do all these things and then it actually ends with the, again, I don't think there's any spoilers here, with the bad guy killing her and forcing him to grieve that he had his little brief reunion with his mother that was that was ended. Yeah. So again, that's that's very deep and that's very serious, like emotional stuff that I think a lot of people, you know, deal with on some level. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, estrangement, you know, the 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 phases of life, all that stuff. And that was the moment where the series just turned into something a little bit more for me than standard monster of the week stuff. Damn, dude. You are choosing these shows that sound so like complex in stories. I feel kind of dumb. Like I'm choosing the ones that are just like the stupid. <laughs> like oh, there's no plot here. There's no like intrigue. Well, make make no yeah. mistake though. There is no plot here. Okay. Right. And again, there are the same familiar beats. And you have you definitely have to have a tolerance for it. Like a lot of these episodes are, you know, like in another life, mm-hmm. I had considered doing like a nerdometrics thing where I would note the minute mark of the episode at which the the you know the tran- the first transformation would take uh-huh, place yeah. and the second transformation because it, it felt so like hey i'm seven minutes in here comes the first fight yeah, you yeah. know that kind of stuff so make no mistake i'm just picking out two things that really made these shows stand out they and sound good though when you're make you're really doing a good job of selling well them, good good that. that's why i'm here all right well i don't know how well i'm gonna sell this one but I think that this next show is so, so awesome. And uh, let's just, let's just roll the intro song. Oh, oh, oh. 
がこの音を燃える「マジンハイパーマジンハイパー」三剣show we're talking about right now is called Maijin Hunter Mitsurugi. And Keith, before you leave to go to LA, I want to at least show you a little bit of this program. I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now as you're talking. It is insane. I think the listeners know that I love Daimajin. Daimajin is set in the、uh, feudal Japan era, and so is Maijin Hunter Mitsurugi. Whoa. Yeah,、dude. I'm watching the trailer right now. Okay, so there are three <laughs> heroes Ginga Mitsurugi, Suise Mitsurugi, and Gekko Mitsurugi. And these guys are like, they look from afar like superheroes, but you get up close to their costumes and you, you can actually tell that they're, well, the producers have tried to make their costumes look like they could have been made. In feudal era Japan, you know, like they've got echoes of traditional Japanese garb in these crazy superhero costumes. So these guys run around Edo era Japan, saving people, fighting for the, you know, the plight of the people that are oppressed. And a lot of times it's because of this.、Uh, oh, actually, you know what I should say? None of the shows that I've mentioned so far have really had. A singular big bad guy or a big bad group, right?、Mm-hmm. So, like, no, no, my two did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have. So, what was the. You're saying、event? yours, right? So, in Kakaida, you had、uh, Dark and, oh God, in, in Inazuman. Well, I mean,、uh, Emperor Bamba is the bad guy in Inazuman. Okay. And in Kakaida, oh, I, I can picture him, but his name is、yeah. escaping me. But that's like one of the tropes of these shows is that、yeah. there's like sort of like a big bad guy organization, much like. Dare I say, Inspector Gadget had Dr. Claw. Yeah, you know? exactly. So,、uh, the bad guys in Demon Hunter Mitsurugi are called Demon Scorpion. And I don't have a ton of experience with these shows, but when I started watching this, I was fascinated by the bad guys because this is set in the past, like the extreme past. And so, instead of being like techie robot guys or something, They're all ninjas, but these ninjas, while they're dressed from the neck down like ninjas, it's almost as if somebody said, Hey, we got a great deal on this Halloween mask mold, <laughs> this, or a set of Halloween mask molds, because the, the foot soldiers all look like mummies. Yes. I'm watching it right now. Yeah. And the bad guy looks like a crazy demon skull mask, you know, latex mask. And he's got、uh, red robes that are very. They kind of echo Shinto robes from,、uh, from the temples and stuff. But man, what a crazy show. Because not only do you get this sort of superhero aspect of it, where these three guys will fight this horde of teleporting, transforming ninjas, they will also fight back, jump into the air, and form a giant hero thing. Right. And it's like, It's like Voltron in a sense, right? Because you get these three people that combine their swords. I don't exactly know how it works. It looks like they actually jump up and turn into swords themselves. Then the swords, right? Right? Then the swords meld together to create 
uh, Demon Hunter Mitsurugi. Anyway, uh, they also, of course, what will happen is like the bad guy from Demon Scorpion. (laughs) That's so metal. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) This is incredible. Yeah, man. You're going to love it. So Demon Scorpion. He is the evil leader who has mastered all dazzling evil techniques and sorcery of the universe. (laughs) Oh, I I did not watch the trailer for this. I should check it out. Watch one of the episodes, man. (laughs) Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So he will then, of course, call on a giant monster. And then that's when the ninja team, Ginga, Susui, and Gecko. Yeah, it's awesome. He's just shrouded in smoke. Yeah. Oh, this is so freaking metal. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so they'll they'll form into Demon Hunter Mitsurugi, and then they'll battle the giant monster. But here's the kicker, okay? Most of these shows. I know. There's more. There's more. This is, I think, the last kicker. But in these shows... Mostly when you're when we're talking about things getting big and you know becoming big giant monsters, it's a dude in a suit, right? Demon Hunter Mitsurugi has a ton of stop motion animation. Yes, which I am watching right now. Stop motion animation, and I think a little bit of cell animation and stuff like that. So they yeah. did not have a they, there was no suitmation for it. Yeah, it was all stop motion stuff. Totally, totally fascinating. And I, I'll have links in the show notes to information on these, more information on these. Yeah, or me, I don't know, YouTube link or something. Sure, yeah, definitely something this is so you can bonkers. see. Yeah, yeah, you guys got to see it. I'm I'm going to, I, I, is there a way to buy it? I don't even know. I don't think so. It was canceled after 12 episodes. Oh, it man. It was on from uh, January 8th to March 26th. And I mean, it's, it's really fun, dude. It's really fun. Although there is an episode where... Uh, if you're a dog lover, you might get sad while you're watching it, but it's totally worth watching it. Like Lady Kyle has been in the room while I've been watching it, and she doesn't like she doesn't leave the room or ask me to turn it off. So I I think that's you know worth watching. This is a uh, this is really interesting. Again, I I didn't know anything about it. You you I mean referenced it in passing. Yeah, but I didn't really get a chance to sit down and look at it. But again, the whole time Kyle's been talking. I've just been like zipping and zapping through an episode that happens to be online. And it is, it is better than what he's saying. Like it is, <laughs> it is freaking metal. And there's just like really cool costumes. Dude, you I know, love like, it. I, lo- I love the fact that it's set in ancient times, you know, and that the costumes are so crazy. Yeah. And that I love the bad guys and I love the, the, the metal aspect of it. Cause the bad guy, demon scorpion, he basically has like, it looks like someone melted wax over a skull yeah that's what his mask looks like it's got a bonkers kind of like shaw brothers horror vibe to it from what i'm watching here you know like it's got that very cool like just trippy mild horror thing going on yeah yeah the episode with the dogs features a blind girl who then turns out to be the bad guy it's like i was I was feeling sorry for you. What did you do to me? Yeah. Yeah. Totally worth checking out. I'll, like I said, I'll include a link in the show notes to to some online videos or something. But, you know, that's a very, very Japanese production. I know there's some more American-style productions out there. Mm. Maybe something with a familiar webhead. <sighs> Spider-Man. 
So, uh, so yeah, my my final show is Spider Man. Spider Man. Spider Man. Spider Man. Which you get to hear multiple times every episode. I don't think it's available as an official release, but it is available unofficially. No, it is. It is available officially. You can watch the episodes. Oh, Marvel has it online on now. Marvel's website. That's right. That's right. So yeah, Mar- and in a bizarre thing. I mean, isn't isn't that the equivalent of like Lucas just taking ownership of the Star Wars holiday special? Yeah. You know, like Marvel. <laughs> Marvel's like, yeah, we totally own this, you know. And and again, for people not familiar, so it is Spider Man, but it is not Spider Man. So this is from seventy eight, seventy nine. Yeah. And I think something like that. And uh, and again. I think what what did I rate Anazaman as like a sixteen? The six like a twenty eight. Nice. I mean, the music is sick. Like Kakaida music is amazing. Anazaman music is like even funkier somehow. And Spider Man just blows it off the rails. They're you nice. know, like I I own an LP of the music. I, I have it on multiple formats. It is so funky. In fact, on my on the one podcast I still do called the Vinyl Exam. I have an old episode where I profile the Spider-Man soundtrack, the Japanese Spider-Man soundtrack. Oh, dude, you should definitely give me that link so I can include it in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, but the show itself, I mean, again, same thing, right? There's this there's this big bad villain, and in this case, it's Professor Monster, right? And, you know, hell-bent on world domination. And so this tale of Spider-Man is that, like, I'm trying to think of how, if I remember this right, you know, like a guy falls down, of course, riding a motorcycle, I think falls into a cave and then ends up having this talking companion spider talking to him and telling him that he comes from this far off planet and he's the last and he's going to transfer his powers to him and all this crazy bonkers stuff. Right. Okay. And and the first couple episodes are actually quite creepy because I'm not a big fan of spiders. Right. And you have a spider that's just kind of twisting there and they'll, they put words under it. Like I am here to help you, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, but then anyway, so, so yeah, you see a whole lot of spider going on anyway, without getting too much into it, it is. Yeah. I think I, I said this yesterday, right. When we were just walking around, I, we, uh, we watched a couple episodes of it last night, Yeah, yeah. you know, just to get, get, get the flavor of it again. And I think what, what was, I was, I was walking around and I said like, man, Spider-Man sucks so much. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, like it is definitely so bad. It's amazing. You know, like it, it has the lowest budget, but they make a lot of things work in a really weird way. They right? really do. It's, especially with the Spider-Man actor too. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't actually have any spider powers. He has like a wristlet that shoots rope, you know, like, so, but it's called like spider string and all this stuff. Yeah. So like, it's kind of this weird fusion of Spider-Man and Batman and more importantly of the Transformers, right? Because if you were to watch every Spider-Man episode 
and end it at the 19th minute out of say 23 minutes, right? Okay. It would be a normal superhero show. It would it would feel a lot like Inazuman and Kakaida. But it doesn't end at 20 at 19 minutes. No, <laughs> so what happens no. is almost needlessly in the final battle of almost every episode, and it's about as formulaic as they get in yeah. terms of like at this exact moment, there will be this thing happening, you know. Yeah. But again, it's still pretty, pretty entertaining considering the bad guy will then blow up to giant monster size. Yep. Right. And then Spider-Man will scream into his spider bracelet. <laughs> Marveler. Marveler. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and again, same with like Kakaida's switch, uh, you know, switching move. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these things are designed probably in a lab to make sure that the kid watching it at the time is in beat like they're shouting out cues to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so, you know, that that's what that meant to, uh, is meant to be. And then here comes his big robot, Leopardon. Yeah. Right. And uh, and Leopardon looks like sound wave you know what i mean like it's it's very yeah similar to old school g1 sound wave but painted maybe yellow something like yeah, that Yeah, he kind of looks it's like I, and i never really watched the power rangers when it was on tv here in america but like he kind of looks like what those guys sort of change into yeah i think that's even better yeah yeah but it, so yeah just to get that flavor and then you know, there's oh, I, I can't remember the name, but basically like there's the same kill move in almost every episode. And sometimes Spider Spock. <laughs> I don't know. That's and, well, and then he chucks his sword uh, at the end and then at the villain just blows the hell up into absolutely nothing. Spider like there. Spider-Man has a sword. No, Leopardon, oh, has, Leopardon a sword. has a sword. So the yeah. giant robot. So again, Spider-Man can be like trapped in a dungeon somewhere. And yeah. then all of a sudden he calls out Marveler. And before you know it, he's like in the cockpit of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's really great. The way you flew up to the cockpit like yeah, that, yeah. you know? And then you have this very, very short, usually monster versus robot fight. Yeah. Right. And uh, and again, it's just totally bonkers, totally unnecessary, you know, but I I, have, I still have no idea why they even brought the whole giant robot thing in. But it's there and it's there every episode to to, to toys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And if you want that to, to toy, it'll cost you two hundred dollars i think for like a tiny little thing. oh really I that's think, that's I nothing to a lot I of think, godzilla correct collectors yeah but. i think well no i think there's a little die cast leopard on that's like 190 dollars oh, okay, but right i mean on. it's it's the it's the size of it, it can't be more than five inches tall something yeah. like that like a die you said die cast die cast i think yeah oh yeah nice so i actually have never seen the show except for what you put on last night yeah what i have seen is i have seen the movie mm. the spider-man movie so what's the difference between the movie and the show? I don't think I've seen the movie. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, okay. no. Uh, we watched it and it was like, wow, what is happening? Because apparently the movie was released after many of the episodes. It's like just supposed to slide into the continuity, quote unquote, of the show. I want to say somewhere after like 10 or 12 episodes. Okay. So kind of, <laughs> I'm going all over the place, but kind of like how X-Files had that movie that was supposed to seamlessly fit between what season six and seven or something like that. You know what? I'm just going to say exactly like that. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> exactly like, that. like that. Well, here's what's interesting. There's now two of the three shows that you've seen movies without seeing the show. And I've seen the show without seeing the movie. <laughs> and you're like lost. Like what the hell's yeah. going on? Yeah, you know, it's always good to be lost every once in a while. It helps yeah. keep you grounded. <laughs> it, it keeps those neurons firing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Spider-Man sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, I also like how he drives a car. He yeah. has a spider car. And it's a funky car. It is yeah. funky. It kind of looks like the Mach 
five from Speed Racer, right? Yes, yes. Interesting yeah, design. Oh, and, and again, just like the again for me, for anybody that might be interested in watching this, obviously there's this hilarity of kind of silliness. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous, and that's what makes it amazing. Yes. And so they'll have these wide shots of the car going down the street. And it's just a bunch of like boring 1978 box cars, and then this super flashy spider-man car coming down the street that nobody reacts to at all you know like i just i just love all those little things like that and it's not peter parker in that show right yeah no peter parker peter parker no well that sounds like a great show and i mean you guys out there should definitely check these out i know we typically avoid talking about things that aren't just the standard monster movies or directly correlated to these kaiju films but honestly these are like I don't want to say they're a direct answer to kaiju films or, but you know, that we want something and we want it on TV and Toei and Toho and all those companies are going to provide it in this way. Yeah. And it's a part of tokusatsu history, really. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to say again, I'm, I, I, I must be, I must be okay. Cause I'm starting to make weird references again, but it kind of reminds me of how there are these planetary bodies sometimes okay. that have this, you know, uh, astrophysicists will go bonkers because they can tell a force that they can't see is acting on this planet or this star or something oh, like sure. that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like to me, that's what I'm thinking of as you're saying that, that, you you know, we all know the kaiju and the daikaiju, but you do kind of have this unseen gravitational pull somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. of the effect of all this tokusatsu stuff that happened around it. Yeah. The satellite moons are still around the kaiju planets. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I, you know. The the bummer part about like where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, TV killed the kaiju movie or killed the cinematic experience in Japan. Like, I, I think this is a little bit of a silver lining for, you know, for people. I wonder, I'm hoping that people in Japan in the 70s weren't like, eh, stupid TVs killing the movies. But I'm sure there were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they no. said that, but then they were blown away by the funk and giant robots. And oh, then they were fine. Yeah. So actually, there is one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, one of the oldest, oldest things you can even find about Japanese superheroes, the very first documented Japanese superhero. I just wanted to bring him up real quick because he is so very similar to Demon Hunter Mitsurugi. He is so metal. The very first Japanese superhero was called Ogon Bat, and it was from 1931, I think. And originally was made uh, as like essentially like a storyteller, a traveling storyteller would tell these stories and have these pictures. And that's where the origin of Ogon Bat is. But the reason I say he's metal is because he's a superhero, but he's a golden skeleton man. Yes. With a like, big spawn style cape. And so uh, anyway, I'm just going to end this episode with a little track from Ogon Bat. Keith Foster. Thanks so much for being here and talking about uh, Tokusatsu Sentai Hero Shows. Glad to be here. You know, so, oh, and I should also mention if anybody out there for the entire episode has been screaming at their iPod, why aren't you talking about Zone Fighter? That's because Zone Fighter absolutely deserves an entire episode dedicated to him and his team. So, coming eventually. It's on the list. Yeah, man, I think I'm just going to close out the show with a little Ogon Bat. And uh, thanks for being here, Keith. Thanks for having me, man. And thank you for listening. Jamata.